0: Well, to all the young mothers here, on behalf of those who teach kids' time, I say, you're welcome. (laughs) Many of you are aware that uh, yesterday Pat's father passed away, Lewis Ferguson. He was a member of this congregation set up here in the second service with us most Sundays, and um, uh, today, we've got Pat's sister, Martha, with us, her son, Vince, my son, Jeff, and his wife, Rebecca, and Pat. Um, I want to just say one thing to you uh, about Lewis. Lewis was a multifaceted man. Uh, in many ways, he was just a, a crusty old hill country rancher. Took great delight in making fun of his city slicker son-in-law trying to learn how to work sheep and goats and cattle. Uh, he was a very caring teacher and a very effective teacher in the public school system, which we've noticed over these past few weeks as his, uh, his old students. And by old students, I mean some of them are in their 70s now, aren't they? Uh, have contacted him to let him know how much he has meant to them. Uh, but one of the main things about Lewis was that he served for decades as an elder in the church in Junction, And whenever it was time for us to move him about two and a half years ago out of Junction and here to San Angelo where we could help take care of him, um, the thing that we hated the worst about that was taking him away from that church because it was so much a part of his life. And I want to tell you, we will always be grateful to you for the way that you embraced him. Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. People like Kenneth Ray, Hemphill, Ed Houston, G, uh, I better quit naming people, just so many of you who uh, came and visited him and talked with him and made him feel a part of this church. And in a short time, he grew to love this church greatly. And uh, you mean a lot to us for many reasons, but that is one of them as well. All right, let's stand and we're going to be reading out of 2 Timothy today, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. May God bless the reading of his word. Mother's Day does evoke a whole range of emotions, depending on our stage of life and our particular situation. For many of us in this room today, Mother's Day is a day of memories, just remembering our mothers who have passed on and being grateful for all that they did for us in our lives. Many of you here still have the opportunity to express that gratitude, and I wholly encourage you to do that. Some of us have been planning what we're going to do for Mother's Day for several days now. There may be a few sitting there going, Oh no, (laughs) it's Mother's Day. Well, make plans quickly, please. I want to spend just a few moments thinking about home, and particularly thinking about how our homes or the role that our homes play in shaping our faith. Now, As soon as I say that, I have to give a a little bit of, of an exception there because I've known a lot of spiritual giants who grew up in very dysfunctional families where God was not honored at all. I've known some people who grew to be great men and women of faith who grew up with little or no family. But I do think that we all recognize the great advantage there is to growing up within a home where God is worshiped and God is honored. And I have really two goals for talking about this today. One is that if you grew up in a home like that where your faith was given to you from the very day you were born until you left that home, then I want you to leave here with with a renewed sense of appreciation for your parents who gave you that faith, and to give thanks to God for having parents like that. A second goal is is for us to recommit to whatever role we play in our current family, whether we're a mother, a father, a grandparent, a son, a daughter, wherever we fit into our current family structure, that we recommit and rededicate to being the person in that family who helps that family be a family of God to help that family be a place where those who are in the family are blessed by the presence of the Lord as i was looking at text for today i thought now what could what family out of scripture could we focus on to get some ideas on how a family can function well as a family of God. Now, it became obvious to me right off that there's not that many functional families that are given to us in Scripture. You know, we start with Adam and Eve. I don't think we're going to use them. Uh, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Isaac and Rebekah, who had their loving sons Esau and Jacob. Uh, e. Jacob with his wife Rebekah. Uh, Jacob with his wife Rachel and his wife Leah and his wife Bilhah and his wife Zilpah. I think we'll skip them as well. Uh, David. No, I don't think so. <laughs> One thing about looking at all the families and the honest picture that Scripture gives us is that we recognize that family life is indeed challenging, and that encourages us to do the very best we can, to realize that it is at home and in our families that we should be giving our very best efforts. Work, social life, all those other things take second place to the effort that we give in making our families the very best that they can be. Now, from the text that I read, you know the family that we've chosen. It's the family of Timothy. Timothy was a remarkable young man. He grew up in a town called Lystra. Lystra was not a large city, but it was a big town, and it was a Roman colony. And what that means is it was a military town. The town was filled with active Roman troops because Lystra was a part of the defense that the Romans had built through that part of, of Asia Minor. And also it was filled with retired military because the Roman government would give retired Roman military men a, a place to live in these Roman colonies. And so they would go there and be given a home to live in and live out their days of retirement. Now, Timothy was not born into a military family, though. We know his mother's name and his grandmother's name. His grandmother was named Lois. His mother's name was Eunice. And we also know that these were devout Jewish women. Now, scattered in amongst these Romans living in Lystra were Jewish people and Greek people. And they pretty much were the support system for the town. They ran the shops. They did the services and everything that that provided for the military to live in Lystra. So Timothy was a little Jewish boy born to Eunice with the grandmother Lois, but his dad was Greek. In fact, not just Greek, but the word that's used to describe him was that he was a Hellen, which puts him as a middle-class man, probably educated, fairly well off, but Greek. Now, right there, even though this family, we want to hold them up as an idyllic family, we recognize that there had to be some issues and challenges there for a Greek man and a Jewish woman to be married in Lystra at that time. One issue that we're aware of is that that since Timothy's dad was Greek, he obviously would not let Eunice, Timothy's mother, identify their little boy Timothy totally with the Jewish community through circumcision. And therefore, Timothy grew up, even though he was a part of the Jewish community, just a little bit on the outside because he did not bear on his body the mark of a Jewish young man. And also the very staunchly religious people of his area viewed him basically as an illegitimate child since he was not totally Jewish. However, even in those circumstances... We recognize that Timothy grew to have faith to the point when Paul and Barnabas came through town and were preaching the gospel. And I don't have time really to go into that, but go back and read Acts 14 and about the time that Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra and the healing that was done and how the people thought they were the, the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes. Paul was stoned to death in Lystra, thrown out in the garbage, got up, brushed himself off, and walked right back into town. Timothy saw all these things, or knew about all these things. And therefore, when Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel, they had converts in Lois, and Eunice, and Timothy. And we know that Timothy then became one of Paul's closest associates. How Paul loved this young man. He called him his child in the faith. He called him my loyal child, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Well, how did that happen? How did it happen that Timothy, growing up in such a pagan environment, growing up in a family where there was at least some conflict or some issues, how did he turn out so good? Well, we have a couple of hints here in Second Timothy. First of all, the part that we just read in Second Timothy chapter 1, where it says this about Timothy's family. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced it lives in you. He talks about the faith that first started with grandma, was passed on to mom, and now has been passed on to him. But it wasn't any old faith, was it? What is the word that's used to to describe the kind of faith that Lois had, that Eunice had, that had now been passed on to Timothy? Sincere faith. Faith that, as Paul in his words said, unhypocritical faith. It was real. In other words, Timothy's family was the same at home as they were at church. It was the same faith. It wasn't, faith was not something that they put on in order to go out and be with other people. Faith is also showed whenever they were at home with the doors closed. As has been observed, no one knows better than a child Whether or not the parent's faith is real. When I was working on a degree, I did a lot of research on passing faith from generation to generation. And time after time, the research that's been done has shown this. Out of all the factors that are involved in parents uh, passing faith to children... The number one thing is that that parent's faith is demonstrated in the home. That their actions at home line up with who they are in public. That their words at home and their attitudes at home line up with what they say and what they do at church. If your faith doesn't work at home. Your faith doesn't work. When I think of my own home, I can see that so well. Uh, I talk a lot about my mom, but my mother was a great woman of faith who held up faith in God as the primary objective of life. And her great love of life was the church, which she saw as God's people on this earth. I remember her telling me one time when I was quite young, we were talking about something we'd seen on television or in the paper or something. We were talking about the President of the United States. And she said, you know who is more important than the President of the United States? And I said, who? And she said, any person who preaches the gospel. Right there, my course was set for life, because I wanted to be one of those people. I remember my mother and how she held up that little church I grew up in as, as God's people, what, where God was working in our community. And I grew up thinking that was the perfect church, I mean, I never heard anything at all bad about it. It was all just wonderful. Whatever was going on at church, we were there, we were doing it. It was great. When I went off to college and started studying theology and ministry and looking back at that little church, I began to see kind of the underbelly and the weaknesses there. And I couldn't wait to get home and pop mom's bubble and tell her all the things that I figured out that were wrong with that church. You know how we college kids are, huh? <laughs> well, I got home and we were talking and I said, Mom, look at this and look at that. And did you know that this happened and all that? And she sat there, I still see her face, said, yeah, I know all those things. And I said, well, why do you still think this church is so wonderful? And she says, because... It's God's people. It's where God is at work. That kind of faith is the kind of faith that gets passed on. That kind of genuine, unhypocritical, sincere faith. Well, we're the same at home as we are at church. A second little hint over here is in chapter 3, Paul still writing to Timothy says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Another factor that we have to be aware of that if we want to raise faithful children is that they must be exposed on a regular basis to the power of the Word of God. Through home, now I don't know what kind of home devotionals that Eunice and Lois conducted for their little boy Timothy. I know that they didn't pull the family Bible off the shelf and read it to him every day. How do we know that? Chances are they didn't have a family Bible. This was in a time where any copy of scripture was immensely expensive. And people weren't able to have it in their homes like we do now. Oh, I bet some of those people would come to us and say, (laughs) ah, look at this. Look at the opportunities that you have. They had to go to synagogue services, to church services, to hear the word of God read. They would listen intently. They would go home and they would remind their children of what they heard and what was said. They would tell the Bible stories that they had learned. They would keep the commandment that's found in Deuteronomy that as they're walking along and traveling and as they're working side by side, they talk about spiritual things. They talk about the Word of God. And another great blessing that we have here is we've got a whole room full of people that love all the children in this congregation. And just like right now, we've got a group of them off in another place being taught the Word of God. I encourage families to take advantage and see this as an extension of your family that wants to help you raise faithful children. One responsibility that we have is to be tightly, tightly united and identified and participatory in the actions and the teachings of church. One more story I have about our oldest son, Carlin, um, was born, came to this very building his first day for church, went to cradle roll when just weeks old Carla Smith and Shirley Houston taught cradle roll. And he was a regular attender there. You know, one of the things when you have a child that you're always interested in is what that child's first word is going to be. Of course, the daddies get them and put them on their knee and say, Dad, 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 Dad. Come on, repeat after me. Dad, Dad, Dad. Mothers are Mama, 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 right? What's it going to be? Is it going to be Mama or Daddy? It's going to be the first word. Carlin's first word was Bible. I still, when I see Carla, say, that's your fault. And she gladly takes responsibility. If we want to be families that pass on the faith, there's so many challenges in this world. There's so much junk that is piped into our children's ears. We must be the kind of people that have sincere faith at home. We must be the kind of families where the Word of God is respected and mentioned and honored. We must be the kind of people that take advantage of the wonderful opportunities that we have to be a part of God's extended family in the church. As we began today, I said I had two goals. One is for us, those of us who had families like this, to be thankful. And two, if we can, express to those who have made that possible our gratitude, and certainly to give our gratitude to God for his making that possible. And the second goal was for us to recommit and rededicate ourselves. Whatever role we currently play within family, be it mom, dad grandparents, son, daughter, sister, brother, that we're doing what we can so that faith is alive in our family. This can be a day of rededication and recommitment. We're going to stand and sing a song. Some of our leaders will be available on the perimeters of this room. Let them help you rededicate your life and give your heart and your home to God. Let's stand and sing.